Hello and welcome to Tell Me About Your D&D Character, a podcast where people get a chance to talk about their characters from different role-playing games. I'm your host, Jeremy. Today, my guest is Helen Graham. Helen was the artist for Dungeons and Distancing, an event that uh, was held during the lockdowns in last year in 2020. Uh, she was the artist for those amazing artists. I'm astounded by her work. I really am. And uh, I was lucky enough to talk to her. It was really, really fun talking about her characters and hearing some of her ideas for, for D&D games. It really sparked the inspiration in my head for other adventures and characters. So I hope it does for you as well. But I'll see you at the other side of the episode. That's a good question. Where did you go to uni? I did uni at RMIT. I only did a diploma because I'm not really that into... I, I don't really vibe super well with um, that sort of book learning. <laughs> the, yep. um, the institutionalised learning is not... It's not for everyone. You got to have it's their pace. Yes, it's their pace, yeah. and it's not my pace. I'm very like hands on. I need to be doing all of the physical stuff, not so much the the theoretical stuff. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I did uni in 2016, um, mm-hmm. and from there, I think, oh yeah, 2015 through to 2016, because I did a little bit of the advanced diploma. But I then left school because there was just too much on my plate with like moving and like so much like weird stuff happened in my life at that point and so I was just like I'm just gonna drop out guys see ya um and then at that point I was just like I don't know what I want to do um but I love art and that was a big thing with unis that they were always like um if you're an artist being an illustrator is second like being in any role that's like not just like making your own art all the time is like lesser to being like a fine artist and I really hated that which is also a big reason why I left because they were very like they didn't want anyone or at least they were discouraging people from following pursuits in animation in illustration oh wow in um in design and like in tattoo stuff and you know all the stuff that a lot of people are doing and making a lot of money from now they were just very discouraging of it because I feel like they maybe thought it was invalidating their own work as fine artists Um, yeah i was gonna say i'm wondering if that's also that there's all this theory behind it and just being able to do the act of it almost it's an innate ability and that you can't train and if you have that skill why do you need to be that yeah so they're training you to have have all these these ideas this philosophy behind it rather than just going out and doing it once you've got the basics and and you know what you like and how to do what you want to do and that's kind of what i did i just kind of learned what I learned when I went there was I kind of refined my skills. I took advantage of a lot of the criticism because I love criticism, um, <laughs> constructive criticism, not just like straight up. Yeah, hate. I was going to say that's um, that's a little that's not my my thing. I hate criticism, even constructive stuff. No, we had um we had a good time with the criticism because um, all the teachers were generally quite constructive about it, and that really helped me grow as like an an artist and just kind of get my head around stuff more because. And also it's kind of confidence building. If some, if you can take someone telling you that this is shit and this is bad and this needs improvement right here, then you can kind of like, okay, well, that's the worst that can happen with what I've created. Like, is that I'll just get criticized. Um, so I, I loved the criticism and with school, I, I just kind of took away all of that. Um, mm-hmm. I did enjoy a lot of like some of the theoretical stuff and the high concept sort of stuff, but that stuff just made me dig so deep into this like dark mental emotional well to create what was considered like ev- evocative art that I just um I just got to this point where it was like I'm just like tearing myself up to make like what is considered like powerful art I just want to make something that I enjoy and at the time I was um getting into D&D um I was getting into I was already into a lot of like animation and um comics and such before i went and did this diploma of fine art was that just kind of a general i enjoy animated series i enjoy general comics or was there a certain thing that you're kind of drawn to uh, from i know i think avatar the last airbender is kind of the one that everyone flocked to around that time i'm just wondering if there was something else that you enjoyed um i enjoyed avatar the last airbender of course um and then cora was i think had just finished coming out or maybe the last season was coming out at that point around 2016 um yeah. but i enjoyed i enjoyed that a lot um i enjoyed the the characters um mm-hmm. and the stories and just like the boundless possibilities of it um 
I I started drawing when I was really into anime as a teenager. Um, and that was like this whole kind of like revolutionary thing of like, this is not something I'm used to. I'm not used to art looking like this. Like, mm. um, so I got really into anime at that point and thus began my drawing. Um, <laughs> it's such, it's almost a gateway drug. It is. Manga and anime is a gateway drug for so many teenagers into to drawing. I remember discovering a ton of how to draw man- manga books back in 2002 or something i still have some of them and they really were this one will cover eyes this one will cover hair and it really was just you've got the skills they're so simple for you to be able to do this and by the end of reading them you could probably create your own manga yeah um not that it will be any good in my experience yeah, yeah but you can try <laughs> i've tried i've started <laughs> and dropped so many comics just because i love the mm-hmm. idea of comics i just can't hold the story in my head i just kind of get too lost in like the universe and the characters and then there's like is there meant to be a plot which is why D yeah. and like fantasy and like all these like interactive game sort of situations where you can just create your own little like bubble with around your character you don't have to necessarily worry about the overarching story unless you're being the DM, then you probably do. Yes. Um. <laughs> yeah. That, but then you're meant to get lost in the world. You're meant to be like, so what is that tavern keeper's name and what's their backstory? Cause I can bring it into a plot later on and I'll be important. So you're designed and then you have the players to keep you back on task. Yeah. <laughs> so well, they should. It's, it's a symbiose. <laughs> if they're good yeah, players, if they're one of the players, if they're one of the many players I play with, they are, they not do that as much. We just <laughs> love to get off on our own terrible tangents. And we, I think we drew that, we drove our last DM to despair um, <laughs> with it all because we were just like, I want to go fiddle around with this switch over here. And it's like, that's, that, we've already done that. That's nothing. It's like, yeah, but my obsessive character is obsessed with it. So please, I want to try pry it off and things like that. And it was just, we just down a million tangents, but we had a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. and, the, and that's the important thing. The DM Having would laugh fun. a lot whilst cursing yeah. us. So <laughs> And face palming, I'm no doubt. Yes. <laughs> Um, that's i think isn't there a bingo card where um the things you can get a dm to do during a game and face palms like the the square in the middle yeah i feel like we did that a bit too much yeah there's no such thing as oh our dm if they came back next time our first story our first campaign that we played with our dm um he had created this really intense like dark souls-esque um campaign and as soon as we inserted all of our characters into it we just like destroyed it like with goofs and japes and just like being mm-hmm. completely like uncontrollable like we were terrible and we always wanted to have lots of fun rather than i mean we were we were really into a lot of like the exciting like fights and like the twists he'd throw at us but we we're also just kind of like haha butt jokes <laughs> Mm-hmm. And like, I find that every campaign kind of skews dramatically away from what the intention was. If you have that dark and gritty campaign, it will become Monty Python. And if you design something where it's all wacky, someone will come in with the tortured, tortured character who's just no, everything is is darkness, and everyone will play off that and go, yeah, but I'm really deep as well. And suddenly you have these very angsty, very philosophical ideas where you've got the king also holding a custard pie, waiting to throw it at someone. <laughs> yeah, we've got. And, that happens a lot. Um, I found that a lot of people like set out with these characters and they're really like, they've, they've got like, they're just lighthearted and fun. But the moment you like probe into them a little bit, it's like despair, darkness, mm-hmm. everything's hopeful. Let me tell you about my, my, oh, my tragic backstory. That's it. <laughs> All the characters there have a tragic a, backstory. <laughs> there was a wonderful comic from uh, Trixie Wizard ages ago where it had um session one yeah this is my character he's a bard who went to the clown college and his secret his his weapon is a pie to the face and then it's got session 25 and it's got the clown holding up the door as everyone runs out and he goes no go save yourselves i will hold this but i love you i know and it's, it's like this is what happens you create this wacky bizarre character and they have a heart yeah everyone has a heart in this game when somebody's left it's alone great. with their character it's it creates this like like it's just like a huge like insert of like all of these ideas and stuff and then they start flushing it out and it becomes not that all the characters are human but they become more human they mm. become more grown and they have they're more rounded out and yeah it's it's really good like i feel like that's a quality player thing but i've never met a player who doesn't do that um no i think every player thinks about where that character's been and where they're headed like their motivations um it's kind of it's like it's akin to acting and that you're like what's leading this character to do this thing but 
it's like you're totally in control (laughs) and it's not you know acting which is horribly horribly daunting it's confronting acting but when you're able to see inside a character's head already and you know what they're doing because you can kind of build on what you know about them what you've developed for them it's a lot easier to to say the things that you know they would say Mm, yes um having a voice for them is really i think that's something that i've always generally struggled for i'm not like talking like an accent or like a voice like that Mm. but like developing how they would react in certain situations and stuff like that um it's stuff that i really love and it's something that i especially after playing D &D and watching a lot of like critical role and adventure zone and all those streams and things like that um it's something that i noticed a lot more in just general media is you can see when something's not written quite right or maybe there's a different writer in and the character does something that you seem like you think is somewhat out of character and it's like that's not something they would do why are they doing that you can kind of pick up on that stuff just through doing all this stuff with D &D and like your own like adventuring and creation (laughs) getting to be more more critical (laughs) yeah yeah, it, it builds the, the storytelling techniques that we discover through watching any sort of, sort of narrative. It's it's wonderful. I've always said we're a storytelling species and D&D allows us to kind of tap into what makes good stories. What We, we learn stories just over and over through this and go, well, that's fun because of this reason. It's, it's wonderful. I think it's a beautiful notion that we are a storytelling uh, species um, because, yeah, it's something that I've studied in my general you know artistic like my schooling but then just in 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 like life as well is that everything i enjoy is to do with like like giving a narrative or like conveying a narrative and exploring narratives and if i do it with my imagery i like really respond with things that do like present a narrative um and i find that that for me is like the most powerful piece of art is something that can tell a story no matter what it is. It's kind of like mm-hmm. got that sense of like, like you can sort of make it up in your head what's happening in this image or just even if it evokes a feeling that's like, why would it be evoking this feeling? Like what's it doing? Um, yeah. Because if it evokes a feeling, you start to look at it and go, why does that evoke that feeling in me? Yeah. What's the story it's telling me? Yeah. It's just, we communicate through stories. He's that little deep, like, brain explosion moment, I would say, <laughs> where it's like, oh, wow, we all communicate with stories, huh? Yeah, it's, it makes it so easy for us to learn. And I think a lot of the things that people have trouble learning, I think, personally, it's myself, it's maths. I can't get into it. It's because I can't find a story to it. Yeah. I can't find a story to the formula. And I'm sure there's one there, but and other people use it, but I can't. So I find it tricky to, to discover it. Yeah, it's the same. I'm 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 terrible with numbers and maths. I just steer away from it usually. Um, but I've definitely been able to notice this sort of like sense of storytelling and just so much more stuff nowadays where it's like I think when you think about how people learned through history, we were telling stories mm. and uh, fairy tales and laws and things like that that's all about learning and teaching people it's just done through story and i adore that concept like horror stories (laughs) are like we're eventually like horror stories and horror beasts and things were usually created to keep people safe and things like that like oh that's so cool it's to tell stories to learn and teach oh anyways i love that it's the kind of thing you don't go down the the best example i always think of is the um the jenny greentooth story of the the monster the witch that lives in the pond and if you go down there she'll grab you and pull you inside and you'll drown and it's so very clearly told to children to say don't go down to the pond by yourself yes because if an adult's not there to grab you you could fall in and drown yeah but the kid's not going to think about that they're going to go no it won't happen to me but if you say there's a monster there if you say there's a creature down there that can grab you then they'll think about it a bit more because they're not going to realize. And you've made it so something fantastical and you've made it a story in their head that they can like recite and tell others. And so it's like, mm. oh, that's good. Kids love scary, scary stories and they love that oh, sort of do. stuff and they love monsters. And I've done a lot of workshops with kids, um, just teaching them art and narrative exploration and things like that. And they always latch on to like the spooky like the the bad guys in comics mm. in tv shows they're always latching on to those bad guys 
Um, and so, yeah, being able to like give a monster that comes with a lesson. I think most monsters generally do anyway. Like you can look at anything and it's an allegory for something else. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> even like- I don't think we've ever had a monster that's just a monster because it's there. Yeah. No, I don't think so either. It's always it's always some deeper meaning of like some like human condition or something we're afraid of or like yeah. some grander idea that we're afraid of in our heads. Uh, it's always I think that kind of builds into into characters that we create as as role players as well that you kind of build into what is this situation that the character is going to be in what is the personality of that that character yeah there's always that allegory of where they're going to go what's their journey what's their story and it's this oh gosh with i don't know with characters especially personal characters you always kind of myself i sort of see tiny aspects especially if it's a friend's character i can sort of see a tiny aspect of my friend in there it's just a little Mm. seed of them but it's still like it's something they're exploring through this character like like your character's like much more confident or very charismatic bard and like I've just seen people like really express themselves in ways that I haven't before through having like a a really flamboyant creative like beautiful bard that just sings and charms everyone around them um Mm. bards are just the most instantly the ones that I think of as like expressive (laughs) they are they they can't because they're the performers they're the ones that are out there and they're the face for the most of the time I always think that I can't remember if it was um I think Ben Byrne my partner on the the other podcast yeah Ben (laughs) yeah shout out to Ben um uh always says that the first character you create is what you want to be yeah is your ideal (laughs) ideal personality and then the second character you create is a lot more what what you believe it's the once you know a little bit more about the world and what you see yourself becoming. That's a, it's I don't know. a bit haunting because when I think about it, my it first is. character was like a little urchin um, halfling. I think back then I was also obsessed with like that sort of being small and stealthy and like getting around mm. and like being tricky, tricky and things like that. So yeah, I can sort of see that because I think my second set, like character was then very, was a warlock who was charismatic and just like, charming and just like just had a lot of fun like she was just a lot more mm-hmm. fun <laughs> the other one was brooding the first one was yeah. having a lot more fun and enjoying the lighter things so well let's talk about about your characters then i mean the the halfling so this would have been your first game of D. when when would that have started That's 2016 i believe um mm-hmm. and that was born purely out of just watching a lot of critical role um yep. and just like you know, like wow this is easy like right like i can achieve this now i wasn't like i didn't know where to put like this as an outlet like this like need to like create characters and explore stuff like that um so i created um oh she what did i call her pint 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 i love it she was liari underfoot that's her proper name but she just got nicknamed pint um by her her dwarven father figure um, because she was an urchin, she was a street child, like all that background. Um, so she was very... I love the underfoot part of the name as well. Because <laughs> it, it matches that halfling hobbit sort of naming structure. But yeah, if she's small and a child and an urchin, then yeah, she's going to be underfoot all yeah, the time. Yeah, no, I absolutely adore so I absolutely adore silly naming things like that. Um, and trying to follow a convention, but also making it a little bit like goofy. You kind of have like that mm-hmm. sort of second meeting, double entendre um mm. so yeah she was just a little terrible urchin child um and then we were just i think this was our first game of D that my roomie at the time was playing with me um me and another friend we were only a very we we're only a party of two um mm. and she'd my friend she'd created this very stuck up like elf like high elf just like like perfect and like hmm. pristine and so i obviously naturally the elegance the purity of elves. yes you know oh gosh i think they're eladrian elves like the, the yeah. really really like elvish elves the, hoity, the highest elves. <laughs> the highest of elves the most royal bluest of bloods um <laughs> but she um she created this really hoity-hoity elf and so naturally my character in juxtaposition to that was just became more and more gremlin like in just <laughs> oh my god getting filthier and just completely like doesn't care about anything gets covered in blood every time she does combat 
um, doesn't care to be washed off afterwards. She just, I think there was one moment where, um, like, uh, Sariel, that was my friend's character's name. She was like, I'm going to go have a bath after that. That was a lot. And then the DM turns to me and she's like, okay, what's Pint going to do? I'm like, okay, Pint's going to go have a bath too. She's going to find the nearest bucket full of anything and dunk it over herself. And then my DM naturally made me roll for what was in it. I critically failed. Mm -hmm. So she immediately poured a bucket of pee over herself. (laughs) Those are the stories that make a character, aren't they? They're the ones that you'll remember forever. Yes, yes. It's stuck in my head. It's very visceral. I love it. (laughs) She was... I mean, technically she washed. The blood would have come off. Blood would have come off. Everything came off. Then, you know... Oh, there's the smell. There's the smell. Yeah. There's this residue, probably <laughs> sticky. I'm not sure. Um, probably. Probably sticky. But oh my God. I think my first role with her was we were just setting off. We were just doing the Mine of Fandelva campaign. Um, mm-hmm. And so we were just setting off to head to I think Fandelva. I can't really recall. It's been a minute. But we were heading off. And immediately the dwarf NPC who was taking us on, on our little cart was like, chatting with me and then i'm like yo we've probably fucked right um we've probably had we've had sex yeah and then my dm was like roll for it and i did (laughs) and i got nat 20 and so she's like oh yes you've done it and i was just like "Ah, my terrible gremlin child Oh. I love it. It it's, normally takes a couple of a uh, couple of sessions to get into something like that, but no, starting out strong. Yeah, we were yeah. we were. I think that was the rapport I had with my roomie at the time. It was just like I I was definitely like imbuing a lot of like my just filthiest, nastiest, like gremlinish behaviors in this like halfling. So I was just like, hey, what about something real bad where I just make you feel super uncomfortable? Because that was my favorite thing was <laughs> making her feel uncomfortable in D and D. Not to a oh. horrible like extent, but she would also pull it back on me and make me go through trauma. That is DMs, just back and forth, <laughs> fighting through, like, hurting each other. <laughs> well, that's the thing, that Dungeons & Dragons become this safe space to do these things to your friends, specifically. <laughs> yeah, traumatise your but friends. You Turn, make it that your uh, mother figure in life was a uh, doppelganger all this time. <laughs> mm, good times. Was that... Was that to you or was, was that uh, to the elf? That was to Pint. That was great. Oh, poor Pint. Yeah. Poor I can Pint. see why Pint's dark and broody. I mean, Pint's had a tough Yeah. A tough we life. just kept laying it on her, though. I think that was our first D&D like, sort of exploration. So we were just kind of getting into all of the dark stuff we could. Um, and that kind of got out of our system so that we could create like mm. a little bit nicer, lighter characters next time around. Um, yeah. That was the more wholesome, more ones. wholesome characters next time around. More well-rounded, like less less psychologists needed for our next characters. Um, when I first when I first made my little halfling rogue, um, I I just was like, yeah, let's make her as edgy as can be. Let's have a lot of fun with it, which was fun to role play. It was stressful for the DM to have to deal with like any chaotic neutral. I found dealing with chaotic neutrals is the worst. Um, for DMs, at least. Also for players, they're just horrible. I like to, I mean, I argue that the alignment system is just kind of a very, very odd guideline. I mm. love Chaotic Mutual, honestly, because my first character was a, cha- or most recent first character, I should say, when I got back into the hobby, was a Chaotic Neutral half-orc fighter. And that just meant whatever's good for him, he's going to do. Yeah. <laughs> and That's... it was like, is it better for me to leave the party right now? then I'm going to do that. Is it better for me to keep him alive? I'll do that instead. My most recent character is Chaotic Neutral too, and just terrible. <laughs> they're, like, they're so much fun. They're so much fun, but I could tell the DM definitely gets a bit frustrated, so I try to rein it in, and it's also those moments where you're like, like, oh, I really want to be, like, because if I were, if myself, I were a character, I always just consider, like, myself in, like, like, terms it'd be like a like a cleric or someone like caring someone like supportive um but i just i haven't done that i've really the closest i got was a druid of mine that was sort of balanced on a bit supportive in that she would do a lot of like conditions like area based conditions around to kind of help the battle along but yeah doing a chaotic neutral now after like it was four years after doing 
pint that I did my I, I made my new chaotic neutral mm. um they were just completely terrible and self-centered and I had to like really like stop myself a lot of the time and be like wait no this character wouldn't go help out this person so I'm just gonna hold back but whereas like my past two characters were just like let's look after each other guys let's <laughs> come by our best friends love Aww. it 10 out of 10 but then yeah another chaotic neutral and I'm like back to being a jerk <laughs> <laughs> it's like chaotic neutral does kind of lean more towards the evil campaign where like everyone's out for themselves oh. and just kind of stabbing each other in the back occasionally they go a bit evil don't they um yeah i'm yeah, trying to that's that's what i want from my most recent characters arc is to grow out of being chaotic neutral and to go to more towards a good or just a neutral neutral because like you know you always start off well you always start a character in mind and you're like well this character's this and mm. then you think about like where they'll go in like after a year of the campaign or something like that or at the end of the campaign and you always like hope that there's something but oh like when i say that life D D, like the adventure usually throws something in their way that really messes that up but i think that's a great idea for coming up with characters if you give them a goal like Mm -hmm. whether it's their personal goal or something you have a goal in mind for as a player and go that's what we're working towards and then the adventure happens and you see whether they can keep doing that or something comes up that they have to change their mind and reprioritize what what's important to them it feels a little bit metagaming-ish because like myself i'm like this character so my most recent character is a tabaxi named gomaye and they are a wizard they're very privileged they've never had to do anything rough in their life they've always had like everything handed to them on a silver platter they're that mm. style of like of character so i think my my goal for them and it's definitely not their goal but my goal for them is to learn empathy <laughs> but <laughs> whether or not like because the campaign could go anyway um and it's currently on hiatus so oh hopefully fingers, fingers crossed they've, they've learned over the break gosh maybe hope. maybe they're a better yeah, no. maybe they're a better tabaxi maybe they're about a cat now i think that's but perfect for a cat honestly that's what cat i thought as well empathy. yeah <laughs> that's what i was thinking i was like i want to go into this like like this is an actual cat that i've met so yes mm-hmm. something completely like will use and abuse you but won't like care for you at all um mm-hmm. not like It'll my be- cat but yes oh my cat is is a wonderful carer just as you've heard, it's needy as all hell and just will come and sit on me whenever I feel down, which yes. is wonderful. Same um, with my cat. It's been a, like 10 out of 10 have a cat during coronavirus. Just go oh, for yes. it. <laughs> if you don't have one, next lockdown, purchase next a kitten. Lockdown. It's probably going to happen soon. Don't worry, Eventually. guys. <laughs> There'll be another lockdown soon. God, is, that why, is that what um, caused the hiatus, just the extended lockdowns? Oh, God, yeah. Well, everyone's studying from home, and right. my DM was studying at the time, I think still is. I'm probably on mm. break now, but with everything, like, being stuck at home, being, like, stuck. And they, they lived rurally as well. Oh, yeah. So they had to, like, really just, like, not go anywhere, and especially not go to Melbourne. Yeah. Um, so they just, yeah, they just had to take a break and look after themselves for a while which we totally we got um i just oh, i just have this terrible tabaxi in my holster now <laughs> and i'm just like i'll rip you out one day ready to go ready to go ready to torment another party do you find that you create characters i mean we talked earlier about when you look at art and you find that narrative in there and do you sometimes look at a piece that you created or just a character in a film and go how would I use them? I'm just going to put them in that back pocket and just create characters regularly, not for games that you're about to be in, but just for whenever a game comes up in the future and go, I'd really like to play that someday. And just kind of draw those inspirations from the art and the the things around you that you see. I think I get mostly when I'm creating a character for myself for like completely personal, like selfish use, I usually create them because I'm, I'm in this sort of like space where I need this sort of like projection of myself so usually there's one character that's kind of like one tiny aspect of like what I feel that I've just kind of focused and honed in on. And then from there, I start like looking at like, well, what do they need? And what what relationship aspects have I liked from TV and media? Like, <laughs> I think one of my most recent characters is definitely very Geralt and Yennefer mm-hmm. inspired. <laughs> so it's very I think he's like... inspired a lot. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 
or it's just like that will they won't they probably never and it's tragic and terrible um and there's lots of magic at play and just forces are keeping them apart and they can never truly be together but if they were they would probably be terrible together yeah um those are the best kinds honestly the the ones that are terrible together yeah but they can't keep away and say well yeah that's just the way their life is it's just kind of like a mess i just want to have some fun in that mess for a while but that's definitely like one way in which i usually create characters um i think lately i've been kind of creating characters in sort of a more like i want to draw this Mm -hmm. rather than like let's get into the characters so for my patreon i've been making more um like just asset characters to use instead of just like this is a character with this story i'm like nah actually i just really wanted to draw this so you guys fill in the blanks these are like you can if you can like read into the story i guess it's kind of like putting something out there for someone else to interpret and use as they would um well it's like we were saying before that you give a an image and let other people determine the narrative from it yeah they discover what what that image means to them yeah, and that's what I, I was really hoping to do with like this sort of like new little project of mine of making just NPCs for the hell of making NPCs because it scratches yeah. that itch that I have of I love designing characters. I love it. Don't think I could ever do it in a professional sense because I've got so many other spoons like <laughs> the, in the fire. I mean, mm-hmm. I kind of do a little bit in terms of my commissions that I do um, and it's usually someone else's character and that's just for me that's a lot of fun because I can just read the story they've written up about them and try to like get that in it's reverse it's kind of the reverse of that where it's like I'm trying to insert this story through my image yeah Um, I love that idea because you can have something like they received this award and you just put a little medal on their chest and that's sometimes all you need because if you get that without the story go what does that mean where does that come from why is it there and tiny details and like if, if it's in there and if even if you haven't gotten a story in there you've kind of like well they clearly have earned something like mm. like they've got this on them or and like even just tiny details like the state of their clothing are they laundered are they a bit messy like how would you define this character and i kind of i encourage when people approach me for work like this i'm always like tell me about everything about them like any detail because i want it all and i'm probably going to try to sneak as much of it in because it just it makes it just makes the characters come alive is seeing yeah. that they are living out external to this image of like that you've drawn of them that they're like living some other life they're going for it um and that's always ah, oh, that's always like super this like unattainable goal is to like create this story that's happening outside of the frame of the mm. image like oh being able the, to like prof- like convey that somehow would just be ah. Oh. that the life continues when it's put away yeah so it's it keeps going even though the image is is static yeah it's a sense of motion but it's a static image you know like mm. their life's going and they have a life and they're living it thoroughly but you know they are just this static image <laughs> it's almost like that the the picture is the snapshot of them living that life you just got this one moment in time of them and it'll change if you look yeah. away sort of thing yeah it's 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 kind of like that where it is like more like photo like where you, you're thinking about like everything like oh is it mise-en-scene or something like that 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 tv that movie um mise-en-scene yeah Um, yeah where it's like there's everything is on there for a reason Mm. and it's all like conveying something and you're just you're just yeah everything's in shot and everything's on the stage for a purpose it's it's Chekhov's gun again that you put a shotgun on the stage it's gonna have to be used at some point otherwise why have you got it there yeah oh gosh lots of Chekhov's gunning in um <laughs> in fantasy yes oh yeah actually that's such a big thing in D anyways that everyone's picking up on every tiny little detail that the dm is saying that you kind yeah. of want to be like okay but well, how much of this is like like you just get the sense and sometimes dms very clever dms can do this where they will tell you that all of the details of the room and it means absolutely nothing like mm-hmm. it's just the room but like because the DM has said it, everyone's latched onto this idea that this must mean something. Like, is this a puzzle? Like, what does that do? Oh. There are times where I'll have to say, guys, the door is fine. I was just overly descriptive about the room. Just, just ignore the door. It's not important at all. But like, you could be even something as mundane as a door still means things yeah. in, in symbolism and everything like that. Like, is this door rusty? Is this mm. door ornate? Like. What do we know about the door? What do we know about the door? Honestly, it's like you can't get to 
yeah, well, they are metaphorically port- portals yeah, into true. next rooms and things. <laughs> doors mean so much in this quarantine world that we live in. Yeah. Yeah, locked doors in particular. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Well, that's that's a good question. Then, have you run a few games as well? I mean, you've been playing for five years now. Yes, I have run two games. One mm-hmm. of which was kind of a homebrew that I really i I built one city in it, and then once we left that city, I kind of petered out because I had no grander vision outside of that city. But it was yep. this Arahokran like aristocracy in the middle of the desert with like spires and towers and it was golden and lush but there was also that you know that that side effect of like well we've got the these like this divide between the economies of like well you've got the rich they're living great and then you've got the poor and they're you know starving hungry but everyone like you don't see that that's veiled um Mm. And it I was love just... that idea for Arakokra because, of course, you'd have the spires where all the creatures that can fly are able to to have their little perches. But, of course, it's got to be built on something and all the people still on the ground. Yeah. yeah um, the Arakokra are also just like this really, in terms of a, and there's a thing, I don't know, it's a, a, an obsession of mine with birds and like just the, the behavior of birds. They're always so very proud and like mm. they just have this sort of, and that's like a big thing I do is that I'll use a lot of like, personalities of animals as inspiration for a person or like a character of mine there'll be something like person like a personality or a trait of like a flower or anything like that that's kind of given me this inspiration usually it's animals because I love animals um Mm. and so I usually use that as like a stepping stone to get into a more more of a character so like my more recent character Gomaye was very much obviously inspired by animals in that they are completely inspired yeah. by cats. It's a, a tax <laughs> tabaxi. Yeah. It has to be. Completely, like, cat-like. But um, I have this character, um, Ashtar, who's inspired by lions and lionesses, even though she's, like, human. Well, human-appearing, but, you know, <laughs> humanoid. Um, <laughs> even though she's um, humanoid, she's fiercely loyal, protective of her pack, like, like, all these sort of things that I can kind of go back to from just, like, that animal sort of aspect of like, well, this is what, like, if we're watching a documentary, I can sort of see that being this person. And the polar opposite to that was my other character, um, Ashter, Ashling, who was just completely, like, lone wolf about everything. And so there was a lot of wolf imagery mm-hmm. and a lot of, like... Um, I think the wolf imagery is quite common with the lone wolves. It's like there's always the wolf coat or the sneaking through shadow. Back to Geralt, like, you know, yeah. white wolf, like, yeah. completely alone, doesn't need anyone. Mm-hmm. does though but you know what animal would pint have been then pint was very ooh pint was very much a uh like a fox or a street cat like an alley cat yeah I usually, i'm not too i'm not too fancy with these things i'm like just something like really like like sneaky. a raccoon maybe raccoon is very good sneaky is okay on their own kind of like you know it's kind of like that thing that cats do and I, I have grown up with a lot of cats so they're my like my point of interest um my point of inspiration mainly because um you know cats they kind of sometimes do want that company yeah but it's on their terms just... <laughs> yeah they're um, independent they're independent yes mm. um they're fiercely so um and there's just a lot of a lot of stuff like that. And so, yeah, just the Arakokra society, there was a lot of Arakokra that were developed on this idea of like, oh, there's eagles, there's like all these birds that are completely lone, and then there are flocks. And it's just like this sort of idea of people and like the top birds are kind of more the, the aloof loner ones than like the the common birds, you know, your pigeons and things like that. Just a lot of fun to play with, all these different like varieties of, of birds just to like mm. make into like people which was just a lot of fun. Also, doing the voices, terrible. I was going to say. Terrorized some earbuds. It was great. There's, there's a very specific voice, I feel, that everyone wants to do for Arakokra, and it's never Sam the Eagle from The Muppets. It's always something much more high-pitched with a yeah. squawk in there or two. Oh, yeah, something with the very back of your throat that you just start like, yeah, you just annoy everybody with it. It's terrible. <laughs> I'm not going to do it because I'll break my microphone. That's but fair. That's fair. Annoying everyone with it. It's great. and they'll, That's they'll, what birds are for. You love it when they groan, when you're like, oh, you want to go talk to this character? This character's mm-hmm. the one that knows the thing you need. And they're all just like, oh, okay, all <laughs> right. 
Oh, great. This is just an excuse for you to do your terrible bo- parrot voice again. I get you. Oh. Oh, but again, voices can create that story and give those those elements. I had um, a dragon for one group, which was, I very quickly went, cool, he sounds like Sean Connery. Because, <laughs> That's um, really good for, are they a dragonborn? No, no, this was a, a villain Straight dragon. Straight up just a dragon. Just oh, a wow. big old dragon. He's just like, oh, Don Mornay. See, that's I thought great. I killed you. But you can imagine the smoke coming out of their mouth yeah. when they're talking and just kind of like the eyebrow raise. Like, you can sort of see that in your head. And that's, I don't know, that's a, one of the really powerful things with voices and voice acting. And this is just my inner, like, oh, I love Critical Role sort of thing <laughs> coming back up. But it's like those sorts of voices that evoke like a shape to the voice. Like, yeah. They make it, you can sort of tell the shape of the, the person by seeing, like, by how they're speaking. Mm. That is such skill, being able to create a voice like that. Oh, my gosh. I love it. Oh, it's, oh. it is, when it, ha- it ha- works properly, it is gold. It yeah. really is. And you just feel that immersion. And it was great because I had this voice and they encountered the dragon and realized it was a villain and it destroyed the city. And then they had to kind of fight it many times, many years late or adventures later, they came across a library and there's a dwarf standing there. And he turns around and he goes, I know you. You were there when I woke up. And it's the same voice for them. And they all recognize it and they go, oh shit, the dragon's here and he's that dwarf. Oh my gosh. And and that's where we're going to end tonight. Bye. See, that's good. Leave it on a cliffhanger. Cliffhangers are the best. But it was just having that ability to to have the voice in there for them and let them recognize that. Part of that. Oh, it's not, it must be part of that sort of like that sensory thing of like, you know, you'll smell something and that evokes yeah. a memory. Um, and it's, I think it's the same thing with hearing is like, you'll hear something. I mean, music does it all the time. So mm. like, of course, hearing a voice, you're going to be like, wait, that means something. What am I not getting from this voice? What's what can happening? I, what can I remember? I think smells another great one as well, because with Dungeons and Dragons, we can't have the smell in the room. But you can use that description. Well, you yeah. hope you can. <laughs> you might be able to. Yeah, I've seen I mean, a lot of D and D um inspired candles. So there'll be ones yeah, that, called like tavern and things like that that have oh, all those like those heady smells. Or like you're in a tavern, so you pour everyone some beer and you get that scent of hops going. And it's just mm. oh, delicious. <laughs> that works really well then. That if you have a have a, a king or someone of the regal court you can just kind of light that candle and have the the smell enthused and it changes the atmosphere in the room and yeah it's those little steps towards immersing yourself in the story i love that immersion um those are the things that i absolutely adore and like little notes just any tiny little prop that you as a dm can make or like yeah. even as a character will bring along them. yeah i think i made a um i made a little dragon for my warlock to take with me whenever I was like playing her I would just like hold my little dragon and then put it mm-hmm. out on the table and it was just like this is her her pseudo dragon his name mm-hmm. is Hal so he's here and it was good it reminded me that he's here because sometimes <laughs> I forget about like anyone's familiars Oops. yeah but, um, I've I've got a group where I've, they've got a um a pet cat which they purchased they just found a store that was selling kittens and like cool here you go oh. have a kitten and they finally found an awake waken mind spell so I'm waiting for them to cast it on the cat so they can remember that the cat's there all the time. Yes. Gosh, they need a little plushie of some sort. It's yeah. hard though with um with our with our current global sta- yeah. state. It's hard like you can't do those fun things of like we're going to put like a velvet tablecloth on today to make it like extra royal cuz we're in a fancy town or something like that. You can't do those little like little touches for immersion. Mm. Um and I've, I think I've been feeling that a lot in my online D&D games is that, well, we're not physically here, so I can't, like, see or, like, like do any of those sorts of things. But, like, there's that absence of being able to, like, okay, well, this is, like, like mostly we don't use the, um, I think a few times we've used Zoom and things like that, but... Like it's always like, oh, you know, I'm I'm gra- I'm like I'm saying this, but I'm upset about it. So you have to read my, <laughs> you know, expression and just those even most tiny little like things that I loved in person games about. Like those tiny little things are kind of harder to achieve nowadays. Um, yeah. I whew, hope that that changes soon. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I mean, yeah. it will. And if not, we're kind of adapting to it and discovering other ways of doing it. Like you said, you just say. It's not the same, but saying my character is going to be very angry about this, so read into what I'm saying in that mm. term. It's like, well, that kind of is what a lot of people who might not have the same 
I guess, emotional um, vulnerability of not being able to express it just as well, that may be the way that they've always role played. That may yeah. be the way that they've always done. It's like, I know the words I want to say, but I can't get the tone right. So I'm just going to say what they're feeling and then explain it. It becomes a big thing in um, text-based role play. Yeah. I'm not sure how many people do do that, but you, you I think generally more do. lately. Yeah, I think so. Oh, <laughs> I've definitely picked it back up again. Um, um, it's just, it's more of a thing of like, you have to really like become a writer with that sort of yeah. stuff in that you're explaining how this person's feeling in this like short, like little text-based interjection of your character. So you just have to, I guess, oh, there's a lot, there's a lot to consider now a days in that. Oh, I just miss, I just miss the, uh, the, the, the closeness of being able to be like, like growling at your friends across the <laughs> table and being terrible. <laughs> and being mean to them and picking on them. But then there's oh, like the nice things like rewarding people and things like that and how nice that can feel. Uh, and like the my favorite is like the the natural 20s and just the oh, high yes. fives and just the cheering and everything. Mm-hmm. Nowadays when we do that, it kind of blows out everyone's headphones. Oh. Oh. Zoom's wonderful for that because it cuts it off if it reaches a certain level. So if there's a really loud shout when somebody might be sitting next to you, it's too loud. But Zoom will just go, no, 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 we're done. We, you know they're shouting. It's okay. Yeah. We'll stop now. Yeah. Good. That's great. See, that's that's what we need. Actually, sometimes in real life too, because I've yeah. definitely gotten a little bit too loud in like public D and D spaces. Well, I everyone, think that's a lot of people. I think that's a lot of people. Yeah, at the, yeah. that perfect moment when the twenty comes up, it's like you got to shout. Yes. Yeah. It's it's yeah. elation. It's, oh, it's I, great. I love that in public D and D spaces because you can just go. Everyone looks over and goes, "Yep, natural twenty. Yeah. And well, like they might it. cheer. They it's, know that it's, it's, this is a big moment. Yeah, it's 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 important. Everyone's here for the same reason. Yeah. Nobody's like talking about it because we're all doing it, obviously. But yeah. like when we're when we like realize that someone else is doing it, it's like, that's great. Good job. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a really tense situation at the time with your character and you're on like critical, you're on like death saves and stuff like that, then that's even more fun because it's like <laughs> this this lovely juxtaposition uh, juxtaposition of just like, oh, I'm feeling terrible. My character's about to die for good. Hooray! I brought 20. Everything's great. And it's like, okay, cool. I'm alive again. <laughs> yeah. Wow. They're alive anyway. I loved, oh. um, I think the best line, honestly, there's a lot in Critical Role, but my favorite line from Matt Mercer was, nobody cheers when I get a 20. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's true. It's true. When the, D- the DM rolls a lot of 20s that we don't know about. I'm a terrible D and D, uh, uh, terrible DM rather, because I, um, Oh, we're like, oh, but sometimes you can use that as like a nice throw off. Um, oh gosh, sorry, messages are now making sounds everywhere. But That's anyways, right. um, uh, I'm terrible as a DM because I'll be like rolling something behind the co- behind the screen, and it's like, <laughs> and everyone's like, is that good? And I'm like, oh shh, shh <laughs> So I've been trying to like training myself to be more poker faced yeah. as a DM, um, and also maybe also throw people off because like just adding in the occasional random roll for no good reason just oh, to yeah, get them used to the so feeling of rolling like yeah. <laughs> so anything could be happening and you'll be rolling about it like just mm. <laughs> i found the best best way to to drive players to distraction for as a dungeon master is either smile all the time whenever they say something just have this little smirk that comes up and just like they'll say and we should do this and you go oh really and they go no no that's bad you've done something (laughs) or to do the gendo akari from from neon genesis evangelion where you just steeple your hands and put them over your mouth so they can't see any sort of reaction all they can see is your eyes that is so good oh that is great because i always i I want to i mean i'm incredibly i'm a soft dm like i can't be too mean to my players I, i like I try to encourage people more and not punish them, but also like I love getting punished as like a player. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, like I'm trying to strike that balance of being like that perfect level of horrible, but also nice. So I always um, find I want bad thing. I want the dice to do <laughs> bad things to me. I want the dungeon master to give me good things. Mm, yeah, that's hard. I oh, yeah. I just want to. I just, I just want everyone to be happy and like mm-hmm. celebrate the good things. But also there's that, you know, you need that balance of like the, the horrible trials to really make the light great parts like feel amazing. Mm-hmm. So getting that perfect balance of like of a of good DM like sort of temperament and behavior. Ah, oh, I'm working towards it forever. It, it's it's all it's a forever it's a forever balance that you're always trying to find. Mm-hmm. Have you I tried wanna... other systems? No, actually. Um well I mean I've played like 
a few just like little games of like um what's it what's that great one that we love at arcanacon uh good society, <laughs> good society yes yeah, yeah I, I like i like a little bit of good society it's completely different though um mm. and like it's nice to create like a little character and everything in there but it feels like completely different from D, where i, I feel like i have just like this create like this sandbox of like play at my disposal um but i've been wondering about other systems mostly ones built by the apocalypse um oh yeah powered by the apocalypse that's it monster of the week seems to be the one that's sticking in my brain recently not just because i bought the book oh that's great i really want to i really want to try monster of the week because um i think they they covered that on um adventure the zone yeah they did a, a a game through that and i was like dang this is a lot of fun this sounds like like episodes of buffy or episodes of mm. merlin or something like that where it's like you could just tailor it to be whatever you want like character wise like you can still have it in that high fantasy set- setting if that's the flavor you crave but you can also have something silly in modern day and just you know buffy scooby-doo anything yeah. like that where it's something goofy like that but having something like that would just be I, I do need to try something like that. That would be a lot of fun. Monster of the Week is probably a, a good one to go into because it's very simple to learn and it is just describe what you do. And then you figure out what is that. You've got set moves. Like, what is this intimidating someone? Is this investigating something? And then you roll against that rather than go, I'd like to make a perception check. Or is it investigation? I'm not sure. Because it feels very much is it nature? like... Yeah, it feels very much like D&D but broken down into just more simple, like... Like, it's kind of what I was already doing as a DM where I was just like, let's just make it, you know, just tell me what you mean and I'll Mm. figure out the role for you. But like, just, you know, if you can explain it, then you can do it kind of thing. Or you can try to do it. We'll see if you're successful or not. But any game where it's rolling for success like that, it feels like something I should be picking up. I just haven't had the initiative to go and learn (laughs) it or go buy the books yet. But I should. I really want to do Monster of the Week. (laughs) It is. It looks really. I, again, I haven't had a chance to play it yet, and it feels like it'd be very an easy one to pick up in hiatus and in lockdown, because yes. it is a lot more about just talking to each other. Yeah, and you, you can you could do it as an entire Zoom call campaign, where everybody's just kind of investigating online. Yeah, most of our campaigns are are that, but um, we've done a few. I've done a few games with um, Roll Twenty, um, and. Arkenforge, um, which is, it's a lot of fun, um, but it is that visual aspect, which I don't know if I feel super like attached to as a D and D player. I like I like being able to like see like the the map, but I love the immersion of imagination that you can come up with with just words and things like that. Because yeah. whenever I see a picture of something, I'm like, oh, see that could have been could have been something completely different. Now it's that it's definitely that in my head now. Um, That's interesting also, because I. I've done sketches like occasionally for some of my characters and I've had people and described commissions. Um, one of our players, Tori in the home game will give a gift of all the, like do a sketch of all the characters in the party and give it as a gift for every Christmas. See, that's and great. Adore that because I, we do, we collaborate on how it's going to look and we all suggest, you know, a little bit of touch here. They've got a bit mm. more facial hair. It's a bit fuller. It's a bit wavier, something like that. And then I'll do a sketch a bit later. And I'm like, but now they kind of look like this. They've moved on. Their their yeah. style has changed a little bit. There's growth. So, yeah. There's like, I kind of like, because I do a few, like, especially with my own characters, I'll do them kind of, like, I'll start, you know, when you first make a character, you're mm. always drawing, well, myself, I'm always drawing them and be like, this is my baby. Check them out. I was going to um, ask, how many of your characters have you drawn? And if a lot, then how often have you drawn them? Um, they're kind of, a lot of the time they're just relegated to sketchbook fodder. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like, I'll be sitting down on the couch or something and it's like, okay, I'm not going to do an actual piece right now. I'm just going to like kind of indulge in my my sketchbook where it's like, I, I'll draw little scenes and I'll think things out in my head of like how things, but again, that's my own interpretation of things. But I love having that chance to have my own little interpretation of things. But I will just like, and sometimes when I'm playing, I'll also do a little sketch. But um, I find that that's a lot of fun to kind of sort the scene out in my head like sometimes i'll be like how did that look and there'll be something that kind of <laughs> not keeps me awake but like i'll be distracted by it every now and then so i'm like okay i've got to draw this out it's like a compulsion that i have to go draw this out at some point you've got um, to capture it again i've got to capture it yeah well like you've got to it's kind of like this fun way to 
remember things mm. and sometimes it also just helps me with like well like what did my character actually think about this because i have to start actually like thinking about the ca- their expressions their body language their stance throughout this whole like thing where they where they like crouch down whereas like these are the all like things that i always kind of forget in um in the description in the actual play because i'll be like so caught up in the moment and stuff like that i won't be like oh my character's like their ears are back and they're a little bit like puffed up they're like they're they're unsure they're nervous um and i, I love that those little aspects to like making characters is that you can kind of just sit down with them later and like work out how they were looking and even presenting that to the dm and stuff like that i'm like look this is my character in that moment remember <laughs> um but they yeah it just it's so lovely to be able to <laughs> sit down and do that and i encourage absolutely everyone to do that no matter like how they think of themselves in skilled with art but it's like such a fun little expression <laughs> and just remembering those events that yeah because um... you can make a little comic of it and like <laughs> Even if it's a silly event, it's still great to draw out. <laughs> I had, um, again, a group, uh, the half-orc of the group decided to do something for nice for her friends and basically purchase shirts with her picture and name on them. Except oh. no one knew her name, so it just said half-orc underneath. <clears throat> and then a little bit later, another character lost all their clothes for a reason, and the only thing they had to wear was one of these shirts. Oh, so that's great. <laughs> in, in five seconds, I did a little quick quick stick figure of the halfling wearing this massive oversized shirt with orc written on it oh my god i'm glad it was oversized that's great <laughs> and it, that's the thing it captured this image it just it was just a stick figure it yeah. didn't need to be anything more than that because it'd be funny at any time but yeah. that's all you need for well, it. yeah it, yeah like comedic art is sometimes best when it's minimal yeah. and like because you sort of see that in a lot of animation where everything gets really like like um like in avatar where they would mm. suddenly like the character would have no facial features except for her eyes and mouth and it's just mm. like like that's just a lot of fun as like almost you don't that need anime of, style yeah. yeah well you don't need a lot of detail to kind of convey those really strong emotions you just put them on there and everyone can kind of see like oh this this character is not having fun <laughs> oh no <laughs> but um oh here i am talking about a visual medium on a audio medium on an audio medium yeah that that is always a problem yeah uh, which probably we should wrap up, I think. Oh, yes. um, we're getting getting throughout a lot of time. Uh, so if you could tell people where they might be able to find you, you've got the Patreon and commissions, I think, are open at the moment. Uh, yes, commissions are open at the moment. They're kind of usually always open unless I've got like a month scheduled of big work because um, I usually just go by a waiting list system. Yep. But yeah, my you can check out my stuff on Patreon at Jewimon at Patreon, so J-U-I-M-O-N. Um, and you can check out my Twitter, where I do a lot of my shit posting, but also art posting. Um, that's Jewimon. Both of which Twitter draws. is for. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Twitter yeah. is beautiful marriage between the both of them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's Jewimon Draws, because somebody took Jewimon. Uh. <laughs> and they haven't posted since 2009. Um, uh. Could feeling. it could it be you and you've forgotten the password? Definitely not. It's another language. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Definitely not. Um I don't think I had Julie Mon dreamt up in 2009 anyway. Um but then yeah, uh there's that, there's Patreon. Um you can also just go to my website, Jewimon.com. Um that's easiest. <laughs> it's good fun. <laughs> um then yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's been so much fun talking to you today. And now I ask this of every guest, would you say farewell to our listeners as uh, one of your characters, perhaps Pint? Oh, Pint. All right. I guess I'll be seeing you then. Are you uh, expecting more from me? That's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate that you took the time out of your day to come along and hear me talk with this wonderful guest, who I thank again for coming on and talking with me. If you enjoyed the episode and you're on Apple Podcasts, I would love it if you could go and leave us a review. Five stars will get us out to more listeners, and if you share it with your friends as well, that's an even better way since we don't pay for any advertising on this channel. We can be found on other podcast networks as well. We are hosted by SoundCloud, where my other podcast is hosted as well, of Dice and DMs, where I talk about Dungeons and Dragons and other role-playing games with some of my friends. 
You can find news about the show on Facebook and Instagram at Tell Me About Your D&D, or you can see us on Twitter, which is at Tell Me Your D&D. Art for the episode is done by Tori Tedeschi and music by Pottington Bear. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe. May all your hands be great.